0: Oh, my <laughs> Well, there was a guy who used to be president of uh, Screen, Screen, Actors, Screen Actors, Guild. Actors Guild And I think he's still president of something or other I, <laughs> I don't know what, he shouldn't be <laughs> Anyhow, <clears throat> yeah, I know you're talking about residuals, right Anyhow, we were on strike for residuals, period Ronnie was president of SAG And while we were on strike He came in with a package that he said, boy, we better grab this. We'll never get anything better than this. And Ronnie, as you may have noticed, is rather a persuasive speaker. And he's a fairly good looking man and he can sway an audience and he was even better than he is now. He pushed this thing through and talked everybody into buying this deal. And he had been negotiating with uh, Lou Wasserman, who was his agent, and he was under contract to General Electric as a spokesman and an ambassador at large, a PR guy. And those are the people he was negotiating for us with. Well, it, we didn't do too well. It was a pretty horrible deal. <laughs> Suffice it to say, what we got for residuals was minimal, nominal, plus which at the end of five runs, get it. Up. So we've got shows running like that, Hitchcock, I got I Love Lucy's, well, lot Superman.
1: Of, but a lot of that stuff was done in from 1950 when television, I guess, started to happen, right? 50, Lucy's, 51, The
0: Lucy's were after that residual thing. Uh, I, I ran out of Lucy's uh, 100 years was ago. Was after the residual or before? Huh? They were before residuals? No, they were after residuals. Oh. When did
1: the good residual deal start?
0: The good one? Just uh,
2: last couple of years,
0: not not more than uh, four or five years ago. It took all those years because each three years that they would negotiate, residuals and labor's increases are all based on what you got, and labor would go in like the auto workers and get a five percent raise, you know, three percent raise. Well, we'd go in and say, "You want a two hundred a two hundred percent raise?" The first radio commercials that I ever did. I got seventeen dollars for the spot, which gave them thirteen weeks unlimited use. And they ran it and ran it and ran it for seventeen dollars. Now, three years later, when they go into renegotiated, they asked for thirty-five dollars, which is nothing for the exposure you get. There, you want a hundred percent raise? You know, no way, we'll give you a five percent raise. And, that,
3: that's only and for it time.
0: that's it, only for reporting time. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, no, the $17 was for local. local. I don't know. If it was national, it would have been something like there was 20, another scale $23. For yeah.
2: In just a moment, American Forum of the Year. But first, take a beautiful girl and a flirtatious young man Mix in some delightful music as sung by Gordon MacRae and Lucille Norman, and you have all the elements of tomorrow's Railroad Hour program.
4: On Sunday, June 13, 1954, at 6 p.m. Eastern, the American Forum of the Air signed on with a discussion on the 1954 midterm elections. The The featured senators were Republican Homer Ferguson of Michigan and Democrat Mike Maroney of Oklahoma. The The two political parties had deep divides within on key issues. While many Republicans were conservative, They didn't support Joseph McCarthy's communist raids. Northern Democrats were likely to be liberal and in favor of the underway desegregation. Many Southern Dems were known as Dixiecrats and upset at the recent Brown v. Board of Ed ruling.
2: This week, the American Forum of the Air presents a discussion of the topic, what's at stake in the fall elections? And here with us to discuss this question are Senator Homer Ferguson, Republican of Michigan, and Senator Mike Monroney, Democrat of Oklahoma. But before the debate begins, here is a message of importance. The old expression, it's a small world, has new meaning today. The world has grown even smaller. In fact, in some ways, it's too small for comfort. With modern long-range aviation, enemy planes could reach the United States from any part of the world in a matter of hours. A devastating surprise attack could occur at any time. Now, of course, our nation has taken steps to protect us. There is an extensive radar network to detect the approach of planes, but radar cannot do the entire job. That's up to us as individual citizens. And right now, the Air Defense Command needs 300,000 more volunteers for its Ground Observer Corps. This Ground Observer Corps is made up of patriotic citizens who contribute a few hours of their spare time each week. Both men and women from teenage up can join the Ground Observer Corps and perform a valuable service to our country write or phone your nearest Civil Defense Center, or write to Ground Observer Corps, Washington, 25, D.C. Remember Pearl Harbor and join the Ground Observer Corps. The founder and moderator of the American Forum of the Year, Theodore Granick, today has asked Stephen McCormick to be guest moderator. Mr. McCormick.
3: What is at stake in the elections this fall? A number of important subjects, no, no doubt about that. And our two guests from the Senate today are well qualified to discuss them. Let's have a question here. Mr. Carson, you have one. Yes, Senator Monroney, the president in his address to the nation this week said that the present farm policy was harmful both to the farmers and to the nation as a whole. Now, do you think that the administration's farm program is, is right for the farmer and the nation?
1: Well, Mr. Carson, let me put it this way. I think the present farm program administered by Secretary Benson is very harmful to the farmers as a whole of this nation. But, why add them future disaster by uh, lowering the support prices uh, by another 5 or 10%? It's been the administration of the program that has wrecked the farm economy, but now they're proposing additional disaster in cutting under the support prices that have helped us so much through the years.
3: Senator Ferguson, you've got a real interest in this. Well, in your state. Uh, I can't see it that way at all. What the uh, Mr. Benson is trying to do... And honestly doing and which I think every man has a right to do is to obey the law and that's all Benson is doing he is obeying the law and when it says to support a particular crop at a certain price he feels that the law requires him to do that now what he wants to do and what the president wants to do is to change the law so that he can do it properly for both the consumer and for
1: the farmer. Could I add one thing right there, though? But the law says that Mr. Benson is supposed to be the Secretary of Agriculture. He couldn't do a better job for the processors or for industry than he has been doing to encourage uh, uh, speculators to raid the farmers' prices. From the very day he took office, he said he didn't like farm price supports, which was a signal to the boys on the cotton board and in the grain pit and dealing in farm commodities that they could safely undercut the farmers' prices. Well, uh, the farmer's prices can't be
3: undercut if the farmer wants to sell to the government. That's what's wrong with the program, that the farmer can sell any amount of wheat, corn, cotton, peanuts, rice, and tobacco that he raises, and he can sell it to the government at 90% of parity, and the government must buy it and put it in storage. That's what's wrong with it. You're talking about a different thing of on the commodity market.
1: Oh no, no! What that? we, well, we tried, what we try to do, and the whole philosophy, I will say to my distinguished friend, has been to put a floor under the farm prices so that then the prices will go up from that floor. Mister Benson, because he started from the first to condemn and to say he despised farm price supports, has caused the prices to go down to the floor, so the governments had to buy more and more commodities. So you know, aren't you really Mr. Brown,
3: advocating uh, what uh, Senator Ferguson said there? In other words. Isn't it an invitation, the Democratic program, to produce all they can produce, and then we'll buy it? Just you're saying almost uh, as if you, to draw an analogy, General Motors produce all the automobiles you can produce, and all you can't sell, we'll buy it.
1: Well, let's just look. At the re- let's just look at the record on Mr. Benson's uh, program. He says if you drop the support prices, the farmers will reduce their production. That's his theory. That's the whole thesis. That's Eisenhower's program to cut the surpluses. Well, he dropped the dairy price surpluses uh, uh, supports from 90% to 75%. The result has been the farmers have brought more milk into town. We're buying more pounds of butter. We're buying more dried milk. And consequently, it proves the fallacy, which many of us from the farm areas have said all along, that if the support price is down, the farmer will produce more to try and bring his income back to where it was. Well, Senator- let's see, Mr. Crimp, go ahead. Uh,
3: let's get back to the, the
1: political impact of this thing, Senator Ferguson.
3: Is there any chance that the president's flexible support program will pass the Senate this time? Well, personally, I feel that it will pass the Senate. I, I certainly feel that uh, there are enough people who are concerned with this farm program that uh, the Senate will pass the bill, and I from last night or a few nights ago, the president made a speech in relation to this farm program. And I think he's correct. When we consider this whole program, it's built around the so-called southern votes. Why have you got peanuts in there? Why have you got tobacco? Why have you uh, uh, cotton? Because Can you get those southern and votes right. for a flexible support program, session? Well, uh, tobacco wouldn't because that's regulated by the number of acres that they plant. But the only thing that concerns the real farmer of America is the two crops, corn and wheat, and only 10% of my state's income from farm products are on those two. So we're talking about this great program that's taking millions and actually billions of dollars for two of the main crops, the other are to specialize on the specialized crops. We so have that is a Senator number. Mal- of, we have a number. You, of you must have more subjects subjects here. I'm sure. A very Senator short time to do it, Mr. Scanlon. Uh, I suppose this question more properly you should be addressed to Senator Ferguson, but since uh, since it is uh, a subject that uh, has been a source of embarrassment to the Republicans, but I'd like to get the Democratic view on this uh, man and his works. Uh, Senator Mahoney, is it your opinion that any Republican congressional candidate? who overtly or covertly solicits and receives the support of the junior senator from Wisconsin in the next election will be harmed or would be benefited by the
1: efforts of the senator? Well, my personal feeling is that uh, Senator McCarthy's support would be the kiss of death. Why do you say that, Senator? For any Republican candidate running in a district that is not so rock-ribbed Republican it couldn't be lost. I say that because uh, I believe that most of the thinking Republicans I believe that the Eisenhower Republicans uh, feel that Senator McCarthy has tried to split his own party, has tried to put himself above his president, has tried to be a one-man Republican Party, and I think has tried to make over the Republican Party in his own image. Mr. Ahern, you Uh, seem to have a question there. Senator
3: Ferguson, speaking of support. Uh, Do you intend to invite the support of the citizens for Eisenhower Group in your forthcoming campaign? Well, I think that the citizens will be in Michigan as they're going to be in all of the states. Well, I understand uh, that you have to invite their support. They're supporting about 100 uh, candidates at the present time. Do you intend to invite their support? Well, I didn't know that any particular uh, invitation was necessary. I understood that the citizens for Eisenhower were formed for the purpose of trying to get people to vote for the candidates that would help to carry out the Eisenhower program. Now, as one of the people in the Senate that is responsible for the Eisenhower program, one who is, uh, has helped to make it up, and one who meets weekly and more often to help to carry it out, and uh, who is in a way responsible for uh, coordinating it, with the leader in the, uh, with the floor leader, I, uh, I never thought that would be necessary to request, I, I tell you frankly. Uh, and, uh, Senator Ferguson, there's been, a great, there's been a great deal of talk about Democratic backing of President Eisenhower's program. <clears throat> Do you have any comments with respect to whether the President will need a Republican as distinguished from a Democratic majority in both houses after the November election? Well, the, the President in his last press conference,
4: The 1954 elections were held on November 2nd. Republicans would lose both the House and Senate, a direct result of anti-McCarthy backlash. The elections caused a divided government that continued to the end of Eisenhower's presidency. Republicans wouldn't retake the Senate until
3: 1980 and the House until
4: 1994.